As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hold That Podcast podcast. I'm your host, Chris Branch, along with my co-host, Brody Miller. Brody, what a really expected weekend game, huh? Yeah, I really went into that one expecting it to be a a game that LSU kind of should have won. You know, we were saying that all week. Thank God I took LSU uh, the points, you know? I will say, so um, just to give a glimpse know. of my weekend, it was one of the rare games I miss, especially of this caliber, but... I think I said on the pod last weekend, my sister-in-law got married. And uh, so that was way more important, obviously, than, than a single issue game. Uh, so I was in the French Quarter for most of the weekend because that's where the wedding happened, so on and so forth. Um, so first, my, my first story that, that really relates is that I went to Harris. Uh, I was one of the first bettors in the Caesar Sportsbook. And I was in line with a friend. And it was like, LOL, should I bet on LSU? It's oh, like, no. No, absolutely not. I mean, the spread was 28 and a half, and I was like, I just, I can't do that and get disappointed. And then, I mean, I would have made some money. I instead bet you on Auburn to cover, I bet on Auburn to cover the spread and win the game, and that didn't work out for me either. That did so. not work out. Come on, you got to talk to me, man. We got to talk this out before you go in there. That's a true Nega Tiger moment for me, and I apologize, everyone. Um, but, but, like, you know, we, we all know what happened in the game. So I, I just want to give you a glimpse because I think that my watching experience or lack thereof is really illuminative. So we have, it's this beautiful wedding, man. I was at this French Quarter mansion. Um, it was a beautiful night. But the but. all the ceremony ends, uh, the first dance ends, and it's kind of like that lull where everybody is either getting a drink or starting to get on the dance floor, and it's not really a set thing. And so me and my father, who was there as well, kind of slink away to the one TV. It's upstairs. And the first play I see is Cam Lewis's strip sack on, I guess, Alabama's second to last drive. But it was, I think it was a minute and a half left, maybe a little over two minutes left. Yeah. And so this whole time I'm, I'm catch, catch, keeping up on my phone. You know, it's 7 nothing. Oh, my God, we're eating dinner. Okay, Alabama's up 27. Okay, maybe this is it. And then I look, and LSU's, <laughs> LSU's 20 to 14. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, and then I get upstairs. I see the strip sack. And I'm like, oh, my God, holy shit. At least she's going to win the game. And then we all know it was for naught. And 
I hate to say this without like really I did watch some highlights. I haven't sat down and watched the full game and you you can help me out with this part, but I think it's a good segue here is that the prevailing notion is that if Max Johnson was not in the game and Garrett Nussmeyer was, that maybe a couple of those passes on those last two drives get hit. And maybe we're talking in a different tone right now because receivers were open. Uh, I think it, it it was very possible to move the ball on that last drive, and Max just missed them, whether that's for pressure or his own fault. It's probably a little bit of both. But there was there was the talk after the game that if Nussmeyer's in the game, that it may be yeah. a different outcome, and it's also everybody's favorite thing to say, the backup would be better. But there was a news update saying that Nussmeyer – really wants to play, even though he want, he would burn through his red shirt. And then Coach O says yesterday that they're going to split reps this weekend. And now it's, I think you might have more fresh It's an open quarterback competition, yeah. So give me, give me your thoughts on the quarterback stuff right now and what you're hearing. Well, yeah, I guess a lot to parse through there. But, yeah, I think what made – I mean, I almost just want to go back and just briefly, like, mention, yeah, I mean, LSU was in position to win that game in – Essentially, the defense played as good of a game as I, I mean. The weird thing with this LSU defense all year has been there are always stretches where they look really good and they're stretch. Like I would not call this defense bad this year. There are just stretches where the defense is bad, but overall, they've actually I, I still would argue are a strength. Anyway, so the defense gives them three full drives. Wait, four really? Right? Yeah, I think four full chances in the fourth quarter to go and win that game. I mean, they were just kept stopping Alabama and. Again, I think anybody who's been listening to me for what? This is my third season doing this podcast, you know, several months with you. Like anyone knows, like I am not a reactionary bench the quarterback guy, and I've definitely not been that with Max Johnson. I think Max Johnson has been put in a tough situation. He he manages things pretty well. He's got his flaws. You know, I've never been anti-Max Johnson in a strong way. But I think even I would, you know, you watch that game and it was a pretty normal thing to say. Hey, if they go to Garrett Nussmeyer for even one of those drives, they might win that football game. And of course, that's complicated. You'd be asking a true freshman to go in there, never really played beautiful snaps, and all of a sudden have to go beat, you know, number two team in the country on the road. I'm not saying like it's it's given, but and again, we're gonna get to what happened in a second, but I just want to say this. Yeah, like it's it the way I always put it is I don't think Max Johnson's a bad quarterback at all, actually. I think Max Johnson is a pretty good quarterback. But I think what Matt, I think you see this a lot, and you and I almost talk about this at breakfast this morning, actually, but not relating to this, but it's that same thing of like sometimes a guy just you need a certain situation to unlock them. And I think Max Johnson's a guy who, if you put him on a well functioning offensive scheme and skill players, he will thrive. Like I think he's a guy who could thrive with a good system, but he's not a guy who's gonna add a jolt, right? And I think Garrett Nussmeyer, the one thing I can say about him, and I think this has been a lot of fans' argument all season is, you know, when this offense is as flawed as it is, from the offensive line to the up-and-down run game is the best way to put it, to just there's just no jolt there, especially with Keishon Butte out. So all of a sudden it's like I think there is a real argument that Garrett Nussmeyer would be somebody who can create things, who can be an impetus to offense, even if things aren't beautifully put together for you know for the scheme. And that's why I think there really is an argument he might have won them that game. Because just on one of those four drives, or three, I could have that wrong, they could have won it. And I think that's what makes it so crazy. So and we're going to dive back into this. I want to circle back to that fourth quarter. For, for better or worse, Garrett Nussmeier, Garrett Nussmeier is going to throw the damn ball. He is going to sling it. He is going to sling. He's going to run around. He's going to have <laughs> zero gonna do fear. 
Yeah, there's, I it, mean, he could he could have thrown it like you know, alternate universe. We're saying that he's gonna he's gonna win that game, and then you know, Max probably made the right read on every one of those throws that he missed. <laughs> yeah. and maybe Nussmeier goes a little deeper. Maybe he tries a different shot. Who, who knows? But I think what makes it even tougher for Max though is like there was drives earlier in the fourth quarter where you could tell, and I don't, I'm not somebody who likes to say this lightly. He was starting to get shell shocked in the pocket. You know, like he was really starting to get rattled his timing was messed up you even saw that on some of those missed throws like the pressure was getting to not pressure in like the moment but like the pressure in his face he was getting rocked on a few right, of those yeah so yeah I, i'm with you i think then like i think what you're getting to yeah totally could have been the headline wow ogeron puts in freshman throws pick what a re- reckless uh-huh. choice 100 yep. percent. but anyway so to get to the actual news of the day and i think a thing you and i really want to dive into is so I, after this happens you know Ed, Ogeron told us all this monday says Garrett Nussmeyer went to, came into the office Sunday, kind of upset he didn't play. And then Ogeron tells us that, you know, uh, Doug Nussmeyer, who is the quarterback coach for the Cowboys in a long time, you know, he's coached all over the SEC and the NFL. You know, he wanted, you know, also talked off its coordinator, Jay Peets, and they decided they want him to play. And and there's so much, this is like a onion here we have to go through. But I want to start this by saying, well, especially now the Ed Ogeron era is is about to go out. You know, I, I really – it's a funny thing because Ed Ogeron is pretty transparent, more than most coaches you will ever find in a program this big. And that is an interesting thing. And I think this is a good time to talk about something that has happened for all these, you know, four or five years is he tries to be transparent. It's something as a reporter I inherently appreciate. He's pretty open about injuries. He usually tells you at least some version of the truth of what's going on. But sometimes what happens is I think Ed Ogeron tries to be transparent and tell us things, but sometimes, and this has happened many times over the years, this isn't just like about this, he kind of tells us a telephone version of what he was told about something, and then all of a sudden it makes other people look really, not intentionally, but just like makes everything look messier and out of control and other people look bad. And I think that's what happened here from when I've talked to people in the program. And so I guess to go back to, Okay, after the Ole Miss game, and this is just this is what I've been, you know, from people conversations they've had the last three days, you know, the Nussmeyers Nuss have been talking with Ogeron often throughout this process, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, and Jake Peets. And I think what they were kind of frustrated, not like a whiny parent or anything like that, but kind of frustrated about was putting him in in garbage time. And it's like, all right, he has four games to use without burning his red shirt. And, you know, you're using him in a situation where it doesn't matter, you know, what. And and that's what that conversation was that Ojan's been saying so often the past two weeks is like meaningful snaps and, you know, picking our time to not use him. And, and they came, Ojan came away from that conversation being like, OK, we're not going to burn his red shirt. We're not going to play him. We're not trying to mess with that. From what I've gathered here, I think they just meant more don't like we would love him to play, but don't use it as like garbage time. That's not we want it to be like meaningful, relevant snaps. So all of a sudden what happens is there's a situation in the game where, yeah, I think it's safe to say even Ogeron would have kind of liked to put Nussmeier and even said after the game in his post-game press conference, yeah, just, you know, we didn't want to waste that last game on non-meaningful snaps. You know, or not not meaningful. He knows it was the Bama game. But, you know, just like a drive or two in the fourth quarter, which, again, I kind of understood that thinking. Like, I defended and it. Honestly, actually. I was about to say, I kind of respect that from a lame duck head coach who... Uh, looking for his last moment, a moment of a literal True. blaze of glory, could have put him in, and a, a more selfish coach could have put him in, 
and there was probably concern about Nussmeier's career after Ogeron leaves. Um, so I, I'm not mad at that, but keep going. Yes. No, no, you're absolutely right. I think that's a valid thing. It's like, I think usually with these redshirt situations, it's always worth pointing out, like, Ogeron wants to win, but there's usually an element of trying to do right by the kid, right? And, like, you're kind of playing the long game with these quarterbacks, so you don't want them to transfer anything, so you're trying to respect what the kid wants. Now, what I've gathered is, okay, so there's the miscommunication about exactly what the Nussmeyers meant by that. And actually, I want to say another thing before I even say what I'm about to say. I've, you know, covering college sports for, I don't know, five years now. I've I've been around a lot of helicopter parents. Like, I've seen a lot of those quarterback dads who are overbearing, trying to control things. I've seen that with cornerback dads and, like, running back dads and, and, and moms and all that. Like, I've seen so many of those helicopter parents shoot my brother was an all-American baseball player. Like, I've seen a lot of those in my life. Doug Nussmeyer is not one of those. I really I've, – I've not talked to Doug Nussmeyer this season. Like, this is not me saying I've talked to him this week. But I've talked to him before, and, and I, I've been around this program. He is not one of those. You know, he is busy. <laughs> he is the quarterback yeah. coach of the Cowboys. He is not that dad. And I do not think that's what this happened these last few days. And this is why I think so many people have been kind of reaching out, trying to, like – figure out what happened here because a lot of this makes the Nussmeyers look bad. And that I think there's a lot going on on social media about like, you know, just O looks bad, but then a lot of people thinking Garrett looks bad and it's a tricky situation. I think what happened is they came in and were like, hey, like I would have liked to play. Like that's not what we meant. And then I do not think Doug Nussmeyer was like calling in to be like play my son. And what I understand, I mean, Jake Peets, shoot, we've been talking about this since January. Jake Peets is somebody who, like, is constantly talking to players and their parents. Like, that's, like, a thing he's, like, gotten tons of credit for. And I think he was just having a normal talk conversation with Doug Nussmeyer, especially as they approach these final few games. And he was like, yeah, I think this is kind of what we we want here. You know, like, we, we would like him to play, all that kind of stuff. And kind of came to the realization, like, don't worry about the red shirt. And then that gets relayed to Ogeron, and I think that's what happens so often. And I, 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 it's a real consistent problem with Ogeron is that I think he kind of like says a version of the truth, but kind of doesn't do the nuance of it. You know what I mean? And yeah. all of a sudden he's like coming out here saying like, yeah, Doug Nussmeyer called and now we're going to play Garrett. It's like that makes everyone look bad here. I don't think that's exactly what happened. I think they just like talked about it and decided on things. So, and there's a lot more we can get in there. I, I just kind of wanted to relay kind of what I've been hearing is that, yeah, this is a poorly handled situation by Ogeron, but probably by the Nussmeyers to some extent, but it's messy. Now we are entering a week where Nussmeyers still can play one game in theory, but they are going to have an open quarterback competition. They are both going to play Saturday, and whoever plays better is going to be the starting quarterback going forward, which means they may say, all right, see you, redshirt. Anyway, a lot so, happened there. I probably missed some things, but what? yeah, what do you, what do you jump out at you? Well, it's just, it's messy. I mean, I was I was curious that if you got the sense that if it would change anything for this weekend. And no, it's not. The quarterback competition is open. We are rolling with Nussmeyer, and he's seeing the field, and we're doing it, right? What do you mean by we're doing it? Like, yes, he like, is like, like Well, because, the, I mean, the storyline I mean, that, that, that we followed yeah. is that, you know, Nussmeyer wanted to play. Ed said, hell yeah, let's play. And then maybe that's backtracked a little bit how it happened, but it doesn't change that Garrett Nussmeyer wants to play and might not be too concerned with his red shirt. Yeah, I think they would have loved to have been put in that fourth quarter of that game, I think is what we should have came away with. And it's like, this isn't even trying to dunk on Ogeron. I think there's a miscommunication. He wanted to you know, do right by the kid. Like, I don't think that's like him doing something inherently wrong. 
but it does highlight a kind of consistent thing with Ogeron that you see a lot. I mean, who could ever forget the, uh, yeah, everyone's on the team's already had COVID, so we should be good. You know, he just does oh, stuff like that a that. lot. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, and there's usually one of those every few months. But, yeah, so Garrett Nussmeyer is going to split reps this week. He is going to get his chance. And, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, Garrett Nussmeyer does come with his set of flaws, but I, I, it really does kind of feel like momentum might be headed toward him playing pretty well, adding a little something that just brings a new energy to the offense, and he might be LSU starting quarterback the final three games, which would be a fascinating development. And well, hey, it's, make, make it, these final it, games it, fun. It, yeah, it's let's let's go from there because I think that makes for a really interesting last three games of the season. In what I would phrase as, I was not overly excited. Uh, <laughs> let's going in because you know LSU almost had its glory moment, its swan song, and you know. For all intents and purposes, I hate to use the term moral victory, but like, it's hard to come away from that Alabama game and think differently than that. I mean, they're they're down everybody, all all the people they're down, and they almost beat the number two team in the country, which could be an indictment on Alabama. But I don't want to focus on that here. I think it's just very impressive what they did. Um, I think it shows a lot. I, I you know I, I mentioned in last week's podcast that. All I really wanted to see was a lot of effort and a lot of energy. And like they did that, man. They playing their heart out for a lame duck coach for their own pride, whatever it was. I I was really proud of them. Um, And I hate that we're having all of these like these last two years have been filled with proud moments in shitty situations. (laughs) I get it. Like both Florida wins, like all of this kind of stuff. It's like the year, the years, the both years have sucked overall, but there's these shining light moments. And even in a loss, I think it was really cool that, (laughs) I mean, this team was losing, missing 11 plus starters. I mean, every single playmaker was not on the field essentially. No, I mean, this has been a firm, like mute dimensions few days for me just because, yeah, like my mentions are just filled with Alabama fans, like responding to O's comments about being the better team and just being like cute moral victory. And I'm like, God, all right, that term's just been abused, but it's like, it's not a moral win. It's not. It's just the idea that, like, like what are we doing here, guys? They're f- it's a four and five football team that's coaches already fired. Also, you should yeah, just tweet them not- the spread. Twenty eight. <laughs> yeah, and it's half. like that's embarrassing, it, man. Yeah, it's just like they are not supposed to win this game. So yeah, I mean, moral victory. Yeah, throw that term out because that term is just has its own connotation now. But they were not supposed to win, and they showed some really promising things. They should. That's all won. you have to go off. That's all sh- you have to go on right now. Like they should have won the st- game. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Like, that is what you ha- what do you want to do? Like be like, oh, well, let's turn it around and go undefeated this year. No, you're not. So you have to find things to build on and find things to be, you know, excited sounds corny, but like find things that are like your future. And oh, it's true. What? No matter what happens here, this is a huge that performance was a very big indicator to whoever the next coach is. Not that this would like change their mind or anything, but like indicator that they are not far away. And I right. don't think they were exactly but they have a lot of holes to fix. Like, man, the work that's going to have to go into figuring out that O-line is going to be a journey. But, like, that defense has pieces. That the, the offense has pieces. Like, this is a team that showed enough fight to nearly beat Alabama. So, yeah, it's not about moral victory. It's just like, hey, here's a positive. Like, that's that's all it is. It's like, hey, here's some things they're doing really well. And I and I think that is going to make these last few games so interesting as a segue is, I don't even know if Nussmeier's going to win it, man. Like He might throw a bunch of picks. He might try to run too much. That's what I I feel like we're kind of hyping him up. And, like, we have seen him in very limited action. And even early in the season, like, I was excited to watch him. And then he goes, like, three for ten, you know? 
in, the, in this limited action because I mean he's 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 slinging it, he's trying. Um, I'm excited to see him. I think it's fascinating, and I actually, if you if you think about from his perspective, I think it is very smart for him to do this right now to burn the red shirt because you know you you have to assume that Max will probably stick around, um, and then you have a five star and Walker Howard coming in. There's footsteps behind you. I mean, Nussmeier is a freshman, so like, it's not like he is this seasoned veteran that would be going up against a five-star quarterback coming in. And then you have to consider that wh- whoever coach comes in might, you know, if it were to say <laughs> Lincoln Riley or cough, cough, any other coach in the country that has a good quarterback playing for them that could come. And with the free transfer rule, it just changes everything about this. About this. So... If you're Nussmeier, you're saying, I either want to stake my claim that I am the starting quarterback at LSU and I have this experience and I'm your guy, or even if, say, somebody were to come with a quarterback or Walker Howard comes and you you want to go somewhere else, you, you're going to put up a lot of good game tape, you, you hope, in these last few games. So I think he's making the right call by playing. You know, the, the very quick analysis to me would be that why is he burning the red shirt in a lost season? Like, why... Why wouldn't yeah. you just take that red shirt? Why wouldn't you go either start somewhere else or, you know, start over here and have four years of eligibility going forward? But I think it's smart. I mean, if he wins the job, I, I don't know what Max Johnson does. I mean, I, I feel kind of bad for him, but it's it, it's going to be interesting. I'm not going to be surprised. I, I, I'm, I'm a little worried that we're going to hype him up and that he's going to feel it all week and then all of a sudden he's going to throw a couple picks early and, you know – It'll be down the drain again for him. But instead of LSU literally playing out the string, they're A, seeing who the quarterback of the future could be, and B, playing for a bowl game. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. <laughs> you know, I think Arkansas, the Arkansas game is very winnable. I, Arkansas is a weird team this year. They've shown flashes of being great. They've shown flashes of not being great. Um. And I, I think LSU could win the game. And then if you win that and you presumably beat ULM, like, that's a bowl game. You know a bowl is going to pick LSU because people are going to travel and go to the game. So, I don't know, man. I mean, it is exciting. I am excited to watch LSU football games down the stretch, which I would not have said if not for this quarterback competition. I mean, I'm always excited to watch the game, but, like, I have a vested interest and I'm not assuming they lose. Well, and going back to the redshirt thing, yeah, I got a lot of people being like, why do you even care about burning a redshirt? Like, if he's good enough to be a star, you know, like, it's not going to matter. And I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely true. If a guy becomes, you know, I don't know, Caleb Williams comes to mind. Like, yeah, if you have Caleb Williams, sure, it doesn't matter because you're probably good enough to go pro in three years. But you can't assume every player is going to be that. Like, there's X amount of five stars every year. Only a few of them actually become like five superstars right away. It's not like you can't, it's this weird thing where we like assume potential correlates to like what they are. You know, it's like a constant thing I get right. frustrated with, you know, and, and I think, you know, for every, I don't know, um, Trevor Lawrence, there is also a Joe Burrow who needs four or five years to get his right timing in the right place and actually meet that potential or shoot. Miles, Bur- Miles Brennan needs every year of that eligibility. It's like, Gary Nussmeyer might is going to be awesome eventually if he gets coached correctly, but at the same time, like there's no guarantee he's going to be by 2023 a top a first round pick. So that does matter. Stuff happens. You want that year of eligibility, and and yeah, to your point, yeah, he might disappoint. He totally might. But I think the way I'd put it is just kind of like 
I always, I don't know why, I have this weird thing where I think about sports and like, sometimes I think it's healthy to view it in like video game ratings ways. And what I mean by that is like, I don't know, I think it's like a good way to think of things as a metric, but I think Max Johnson's probably a mid-80s rating and he's a solid starter. Like, I don't disagree with that, but his range is probably on a 83 to 87. I'm just sticking with this. Like, let's just say, like, that's his range, at least for now. Well, Garrett Nussmeyer might go out there and play like a 74 but his potential is like a 94. Yeah. And I think just some, it's not about, like, yeah, if this was 2018 LSU, for lack of a better example, like that's the roster you have, yeah, probably go with the steady 83 to 87. No doubt in my mind. But right now, you just need somebody who might create some stuff, who might find a way to just give a spark to stuff, even if there's mistakes. You know, every mistake might also lead to a 50-yard pass. You just need that. So I do kind of think, Again, we will see what happens. Like, we're not at practice. I don't know. Maybe he just ends up looking bad and this is all a moot point. Or maybe he plays terrible and you just stick with Johnson. But I do think there's a real argument for giving him this time as long as they're cool with burning the red shirt. Because to your point, just I just think, like, you kind of need that guy who might create that 90 overall game, even if it's mixed up with the 76, because the 85 is not winning you games anyway is the best way I can put it. Here's here's the only caveat I have to this whole situation, and it's – um. It is coming from specific LSU scars is that I'm not the biggest fan of we're going to play two quarterbacks and see who plays better because that means one, they both always have a leash and they both always have here well, the footsteps behind them. And I, I'm just saying I agree with that if you're trying to like if you're worried about your season, but this isn't that anymore. This I mean, is just the tryout. Like that's what this is. Like the games don't. I mean, I, yes, I know bowl game would be nice, but like, no, I'm, I'm not even saying that I'm saying that. You know, in, in, in my experience and what I've seen, that both quarterbacks play worse when that happens. Like, competition uh, is, okay, okay. Is, is is for practice to me. And, like, say Garrett Nussmeyer has a bad drive. He gets pulled. And then, and then Max is in. And then he has to stew on it. And then he has all this pressure. Like, we need to let this kid make mistakes. And I'm sure he will. But, like, can we give him three straight drives and see what happens? I mean... Every LSU fan does not he- need to hear me talk about Jordan Jefferson or Jarrett Lee or Jamarcus Russell and Marcus Randall or every single other time we've had two damn quarterbacks, Jarrett Lee and Andrew Hatch. <laughs> like, I, I, am I naming all-stars? I am naming Jamarcus Russell. That's about it. But like, I see what you're saying. I also just think any like veteran coach would also just be like, well, if they can't play well under that pressure, why would I want them in pressure in any other situation? I think that's what like some people would say. I've been saying I, I think just, that, but I just don't know if it's the best way to evaluate this. But I mean, who knows? Nussmeyer could go eight of eight on his first I two also drives think, and two touchdowns, and he has the rest of the game. So I don't. I think it's getting framed, and this is not you saying this. I'm, I've seen it from a bunch of people online, like two quarterback system now. I don't think that's accurate. I think they're going to give no, Nussmeyer a chance. I, I get that. I and just, then, like, yeah. it's like, let's see if he can take it. You know, it's, it's, that's all I'd say is, like, I don't think it's like a they're going to be exchanging quarters. Or maybe they are. I don't know. But I get the sense it's more give Nussmeyer a chance, see if he can win it. Like, I think that's more I want. I want that to happen because if we're talking about chances, Max Johnson has had his chances this year. And, you know, we talked about this earlier. On paper, he has had a fantastic season. Yeah. I think the eye test is, is a little worse. Um, yeah. I think he has missed some big throws. Um, Several. He has had his chances this year. So if it, if it were me and I am uh, paid the small dollars to talk on into this microphone and type on the internet. But I would love to see Nussmeyer get four drives. 
Maybe yeah. that's a quarter. Maybe that's no. That's I, I think we'll get at least that for sure. No, like like in a row. Like let him yeah, find his rhythm. Like do not alternate series. I yeah. I just like that's not what I am looking forward to. Um, and then it, especially it's going to be a home game, so there's going to be this added pressure. And I I, I hope I think people are going to show up. Um, I was looking for tickets for that's a, a friend. Question. I, I was looking for tickets for a friend, and there were not many available. Ooh. From what I saw. At least in the lower bowls where we sit. So, I mean, I you know, the, wow, this sounds so bougie of me. I did not look in the upper decks, um, so I could be <laughs> wrong there because I was looking for seats around me. But um, not many tickets available, and I'm hoping that that means that means a good thing. But you know, Max Johnson has a bad drive, and all of a sudden the entire stadium is booing him or Nussmeier, and it's like it's just this added. And I guess it goes back to your point: is that the coach is going to say, "Well, he's this is why you come to LSU." But like, yeah. still, I, I want Nussmeier or Johnson, whoever quarterback, to have a good chance to succeed. Nussmeier has not had that chance fully yet. Like to to the point about he's only played garbage time. I mean, I think the couple of drives that Ole Miss were kind of meaningful. I mean, but not really. Yeah, the, the game was theoretically still catchable, but it really wasn't. It was so. no, that was garbage time at the end. So of the day. yeah, I want to see him get a fair shake. And yeah, I I know I just I just feel it in my bones that he's gonna throw a pick early. I don't want him pulled right after the pick because I, he's gonna throw a ball in the double coverage, and it's gonna be a bang bang play, and it's gonna get picked. And uh, you know the instinct might be to put Max back in there because Max would have never made that throw, which is the whole no, reason th- that we're here. Max wouldn't make the throw. Garrett's gonna make the throw, and maybe he gets caught, maybe it doesn't, and Max is gonna check down and maybe hit the guy, maybe not. So ah. I'm rambling. No, no, I mean, you're fine. Man. I just, yeah, I, I think, just, I just want to see him get a fair shake is all. No, I have no argument with you. I completely agree. I think that's the the right move. And it is going to be just such a fascinating game because I have no idea what to expect from Arkansas. Arkansas is a team at like a really weird point right now. Like Arkansas was good, good. They were legitimately good. They're good. top like, 10 and they yeah, deserve they beating it. good teams. And then. I don't think it's like Arkansas became bad. I think Arkansas was beaten the hell up from a schedule that played Texas and A&M and Georgia like consecutively. And then you go to Ole Miss and you almost win that game. And that's an exhausting shootout. And then all oh of a God. sudden, yeah, you, you lose to Auburn and all that. And you, you barely beat. And just, I just think they're at a point in the season now where they are just like beaten down. But they're really good. And they had the bye and then bounced back and beat Mississippi State. That's a big one. So I say all that to say I just literally don't know what to expect because there are versions of this team that is a top ten team and there are versions that LSU could win by twenty like that's not even crazy to me it isn't I, it's not so, crazy I I would not be surprised if LSU comes out and wins by two scores like it I mean that's exactly that's I'm would I predict it no yeah but it's no it's, I'm reeling just thinking about that what is even the line I haven't even seen the line on this game um, let me pull it up my friend um, love to fill dead air. No, you're good. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, because I don't know what to make of what I saw from the LSU defense in terms of that was. This says Arkansas at two and a half. Yep, that's what I'm seeing too. That's a perfect line, probably. Because if it's three, it's giving a team in it. Yeah, that's probably going to be a So are you, telling on. Me, are you telling me I should go to Harris? Well, at two and a half, it's like, well, maybe I like Arkansas more at that point. But mm-hmm. two and a half is an ugly number. If you're going to take LSU, just take the money line. That is my advice to you. Mm. Talking, just talking probabilities at that point. Yeah. But, yep. um, no, but because I wanted to touch on what they did the defense. I mean, I knew we needed to discuss the Nussmeyer thing. That is the most important yes, thing. Yes, let's but, talk about the defense because I mean, yeah. 
Speaking I'm doing of, it, speak, sir. Speak, well, speaking of people, you know, I had this thought earlier about speaking of people who are taking advantage, and you wrote a great story, if anybody hasn't read, about the scheme adjustment they made, basically going to a different defense because of all the personnel they lost, and they looked, excuse my French, fucking awesome. <laughs> like, the 4-3 worked out really well. Um, and I have to say, it was a big win for Durante Jones. Like, he has been kind of maligned all year, and maybe for good reason, and you and I have talked about that. He is a he's a really good coach who's never been a coordinator. So he's learning on the biggest stage, which in hindsight might not have been the best move for Ed Ogeron to do and going into such a, a fragile year for himself. But my man is is not wasting his opportunity either. So let's see what you got. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, I think I think what's tricky is I don't like anyone watching that game would think why is Bill O'Brien not taking shots downfield? Like, LSU's secondary was depleted. They were, I mean, I know the blitzing probably made it harder and the Alabama O line played awful. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I, it was one of those things where I, I don't know. It's one of those things. I don't, I keep saying it's one of those things. Get a new line, Brody. But, you know, now that there's more tape, does Arkansas have a better game plan for this and all that? Maybe it was a little bit of a shock value success. There's a total chance of that. But it's interesting, yeah, because it was out of necessity. Like, I do not believe LSU was coming out there being like, 4-3 is the best way to beat Pama. I don't think that. But they were they literally are out of corners. I mean, at one point, um, Dwight McLaughlin went down. So it was like, mm, mm. what do you do? And and I so Mike Jones played the outside linebacker, played a true 4-3 for the first time. I've really seen, I should say, a true seven-man front would be a better way to put it. First time I've really seen that since, like, I think in the playoff in 2019, Dave Aranda messed around with it a little bit with Divinity and, Ch- and Chase on. But, like, LSU has not played a true front like that since at least 18. And and I, I really – but there's a lot of success. LSU does not blitz. Like, that is the thing. And they've been able to get away with that because their front four is so good at pass rushing. But I think they found themselves in a situation where, one, the D-line just keeps getting depleted. Now they don't, they don't even have Mason Smith. Like, they're just weaker and weaker there. So, one, you needed some help. But, two – you needed to find a way to take pressure off those corners and those that yep. secondary and just like not let them attack it. And I, and I think it was incredible. And, and I think what it did also was that game plan highlighted the growth that deserves credit for the linebackers. Blake Baker deserves some credit there. You know, they that linebacker group was a disaster in 2020. And yep. Jermone Clark is playing like an all SEC guy. Micah Baskerville is playing good football. And they finally unlocked some good stuff from Mike Jones, who had a sack and a few other plays. Yep. So, I don't know if Arkansas is going to come out and know exactly how to attack this, get over those linebackers, all that stuff. But I'm just really intrigued because I think, to your point, I'm glad you brought that up because I don't think I was going to. Durante Jones, like, he is learning. And as much as Jake Peets, maybe you haven't seen him grow as much as you'd like, I think Durante Jones each week is adding new wrinkles and showing new things and is getting better at the job. So I think Durante Jones is going to have a really good future somewhere. I'm I'm excited. Like it, you know, it's it's been a few minutes since I've been super excited to go into Tiger Stadium or watch an LSU game on TV. You know, and I mean, there's I hope there's a buzz in the air. I don't care for four and five. Like coming off that performance, let's get to a bowl game. Arkansas has been like a pain in the ass forever, um, and they're actually good this year. So yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see game. how it plays out. Um, you know, it's it's funny you're talking about how depleted they are at cornerback, and I, I was happy to see Cam Lewis get some shine because he's a guy who's been, been here sneaky for, good all year, and he's been here forever. 
Was he 16 or 17 class? Let me look this up. I, I think he's a, at least a fifth-year senior and maybe a sixth-year. I, I think he's sixth-year. I think he was with Andre Anthony. Let's see. He is his freshman year. I got it on the page. Freshman year was 16. Oh, my goodness. He, so I that mean, means he, he's a sixth-year senior. I mean, he, he and he, big, here's the thing. It's not, it's not even like Andre Anthony, right, where you're like, well, yeah, but you got to keep him around. He's going to break through soon, all that stuff. Cam Lewis is the definition of an afterthought. He's like one of those guys you like – us beat reporters are, I, I say this now as a compliment, but like we're all just kind of joking, like, haha, what are you going to do, put Cam Lewis in? Like, he is just the afterthought, and he is now a legitimate SEC starter. Like, he's he made been looking it, good all year to me. And, he, and he, he made the arguably the biggest play of the night. Absolutely. And, uh, man, so I, I think they've got some juice. I hope they do. I hope it's not overstated. I hope it's not, you know, it's going to be deflated in three drives. Um, we'll see, but... I'm excited. Do you do you have any feel for what this game is going to be like? I feel like as I have talked today, I either um, are we going to lose twenty-one to three, or are we going to win forty-one twenty-eight? I don't know. I have a gut feeling it is going to be like weirdly higher scoring than we think. Arkansas's defense is not great. Yeah, they've taken a bit of a hit lately, and it's like I think Arkansas, you know, figures some things out against LSU's defense if they stick with that same set. And then on top of that, I think, like, if it's Nussmeyer, there might just be some fireworks and some, like, turnovers, but also some 60-yard passes. So I have a gut feeling, like, because I would assume most of us in our head right now is, like, is this going to be a slugfest 21-17? I'm like, I think it's going to be, like, 35-30, you know, something like that. That's my gut feeling. I think we finally see, you know, because we expected the defense to just get torched last week. Sometimes things do revert to the mean. So I think... I think it's a bit of a shootout, but I just don't know who wins. I think Arkansas is better coached right now, so I'll give them a slight edge. Okay, I'm I'm gonna say LSU wins by a field goal. Uh, I, I love don't, it. I don't, even, I don't even want to put a, a point total on it, but I'm, I'm going into Tiger Stadium expecting a win, and that's fun to think about right now. Um, <laughs> before we get out of here, we have oh, no. not really talked about any updates in the coaching search. I was yeah. I was telling you earlier that. You know, with with no sourcing or reporting, I just the vibe around the program is Jimbo Fisher. From from what I'm I am reading tea leaves, and now I'm trying to wonder: is that real? Is that just a fait accompli that he's coming, or is this some smokescreen by the master uh, ninja in chief Scott Woodward? So I don't know. I mean, you nobody can can uh, <laughs> nobody seems to be able to get in with Woodward uh he is an impenetrable force so uh yeah tell me things <laughs> uh yeah I mean I would say there hasn't been a much of a major update from I think last week you and I talked at length about Jimbo right and and that was kind of like the focus of the episode right? and I don't right. think a ton has changed for me since then in sense of it does feel like there is a lot of optimism from the LSU camp that the Jimbo might be coming. That is a, a real thing. But same time, I mean, and the same thing I said last week, I don't think there's been a huge change on my end in terms of is that any closer to actually getting over the goalposts, you know, all those, or the goal line, all that kind of stuff. Like, I haven't heard much change in that sense. But my, my okay. feeling still goes that it's like, yeah, he's he's the main target right now. I don't know, you know, if some of those other home run options, your Rileys, your Dabos, like if those are even still remotely in the picture, I don't know. But my thing is, I I just, you know, Bill O'Brien's name has been tossed around by some people we've heard, you know, it's like another backup option. Hard pass. Hard yeah, that pass. Doesn't look, 
that looks even worse after what just happened Saturday, and I'm sure Scott Woodward is going to notice that. Um, but yeah, I think Mel Tucker is would be the the guy. It's like if it's not Jimbo Fisher, I think there's probably a big push on Mel Tucker. But again, this is just such a hard search to kind of really pin things down on. And 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 again, there's just that element of, and I have to always tell, remind people of this: nothing can happen until the season's over. In reality, yeah, conversations are being had with agents and stuff, but nothing real can happen until then. So, so much of it, it's like we're clamoring for stuff, but to some extent, they're just going to, everything's going to be kind of kept in the dark until that happens. Well, here's, here's the last thing I want to talk about. And that's, I'm glad you said that because, you know, it's been such a weird time where we have had six weeks to talk about this, but as everybody gets ramped up for the holidays and Thanksgiving is right around the corner and it's going to start to move quicker and you're probably going to know if it's not a playoff coach. We're going to know yes. in like three weeks, like December 1st, if this, if this certain head coach is not going to the college football playoff, I am betting we will know by December 1st. Am I, am I wrong on that? Yeah. If, if the coach is not in the playoff, I, I would assume. Absolutely. Uh, and but, you know, just, it, it, just to it, mess it, with fans. Um, well, I, I see some people on Twitter freaking out because Lincoln Riley is not available for a scheduled press conference today. So mm-hmm. I saw some fans freaking out. That means he must be coming to LSU. So just to really mess with you guys, I want to make sure I mention that. Way too soon. Way too soon. But if we're at December 1st and mom's the word and Oklahoma is at number four seed, which they might be after a tumult of top 10 performances last weekend, um, watch out. Yeah, no, and you know, obviously there's a huge desire to get this done as soon as possible in that sense because there is early signing period mid-December. Like that is a very, very big deal, especially this year in some sense just because of some of the huge Louisiana targets that you do not want dangling or like hanging around for another school to poach, you know, with a Notre Dame for Walker Howard or anyone like that. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure you are getting Walker Howard in. You want to make sure you are getting Will Campbell in, getting your like core building blocks down in December so that, you know, in February you can be focusing on other stuff. I think that is really important. So that's one reason. It's not like they turned down a coach because in the playoff, if you have a chance at getting a coach in the playoff, they're going to wait for it. But yeah. at the same time, like that would really sting because that would make – this recruiting class kind of take a hit. Coach, better be worth it. Um, all right, Brody. I think I, I think we have exhausted our takes for today. I think, um, yeah, I'm excited. Are you gonna come to my tailgate? I will be at your tailgate, of course. That's right. Did, That's did you like the sass I gave you a little bit ten minutes ago? What sass? I gave you a little sass uh, when we started talking about the defense. I I, I wanted to to discuss this on on air. I I missed your sass. Am I? Am oh, I, I want the right sass now? to be attached. I was giving you a hard time because I was like, "All right, man, I'm gonna start talking about the defense." And I start talking about the defense, and you're like, "Brody, I want to talk about the defense." You just said everything I was gonna <laughs> See, say, and I'm it. like, "You were." I'm you like, were, "Wait, what?" <laughs> you were in my way, and I steamrolled you. I, I know was, you really uh, did. So I just wanted to bring it up. That's why I was like, "Thank you, Chris." <laughs> okay. All right, Brody. Well, great way to. No, end I'm this bringing episode. it up on air to show that this is me. You know. We're 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 still rookie okay. If, if, if anyone's listening this far, just tweet at me and tell me you like me more than Brody, and that's it. They do like you more than me. I'm the bad cop. How do you not know that? I don't know, man. If they like me more, that means I'm failing. Mm, okay. Well, um, yeah, great episode, I guess, Brody. Uh, now that we're ending, I want to create a rivalry, man. Come on. <laughs> we don't need to tell them that we crushed some uh, 
some some breakfast this morning. You know, we, I want the rivalry to build. Okay. Yeah, we're not friends. Um, all right, Brody. Well, I guess have a good weekend, man. <laughs> have a great weekend. I'll see you. <laughs> Bye, everybody. I'll be good.